You know how, as humans, we have to accept the fact that sometimes bad things happen to good people? Well, by the grace of God, sometimes bad things happen to Alex Jones. <laughs> that, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. We'll take well, it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Take it where we can get it. I these got days. the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle, sweltering Seattle this weekend on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites blanketing planet earth five days a week i'm brad friedman your friendly investigative blogger journalist troublemaker muckraker and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com now you know where we are heard just some of the affiliates around the uh, around the nation and the world no mystery here fighting like hell with demonstrable transparent truth no disinformation, no uh, liars, frauds, um, so forth. Uh, for 20 years now, we are fighting to protect what's left of your democracy, and we are able to do so thanks to your support and your support only. We are 100 uh, percent listener supported here. There is no question, no guessing. No lies about who actually pays my salary to be on the air, uh, you know, two hours a day, five days a week. There's no Russian secret, uh, Russian-funded uh, media outlets. It's just me. Me and KPFK, for whom I volunteer. Thankfully, uh, I continue to do that because you continue to support my flagship station here in Los Angeles. So thanks to those of you who have uh, done that or still will. And if you're listening to the broadcast on another station, I hope you will support them as well, because just about every one of them are independently listener supported. Uh, this came across my screen just before airtime today. Student loan borrowers may now officially apply. It is official, may apply for Biden's executive action to cancel up to $20,000 of your federal student Hi, loan Sue. debt. We're we had a caller Are you there? a couple of weeks ago on this program who says, well, what have Democrats and Joe Biden done? What promises yes, have they kept? Well, there is a huge the list. That is just one of them. Um, just so you okay, know, well, after uh, let's see what else do I have to cover we'll be before live. I get here. You know, it feels 
It feels kind of like those outer bands of storm clouds on the far edge of a hurricane, Desi Doyen. Like yes. the you know when you know the storm is coming, when you know the hurricane is coming. Got to be careful about using the word storm these days. There's a hurricane <laughs> coming, and you know you're sort of right on the outside edges. You start to be it gets the sky gets darker, uh, light rain begins to fall, and you know what is almost certainly coming your way in the not too distant future. That's what some of the accountability we are now just barely beginning to see for Trump's. Uh, grifters. That is now that's what it's beginning to feel like, as if it is just or or at least as if it is finally now getting started. We have several such cases to discuss today as the accountability is just finally beginning to happen for those who participated in so many of Donald Trump's hoaxes to defraud the American people in so many ways, so many ways. One of those hoaxers uh, is Alex Jones, who I will uh, talk about momentarily with my guest. Another is with the phony group behind many of Trump's false claims that the 2020 presidential election was stolen from him. I hope to get to all of that today. But we begin with some accountability for one of Donald Trump's right hand men, Steve Bannon. Following his loss on in court on two counts of contempt of Congress over the summer, part of his refusal to answer lawful congressional subpoenas for documents and testimony from the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee investigating the Trump incited January 6, 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol and the former president's many failed attempts to steal the 2020 presidential election from the American people. And, of course, from Joe Biden, but mostly from the American people. Well, in a court filing on Monday, the Justice Department said Bannon should spend six months in jail and pay a fine of $200,000 after a jury found him guilty this summer of willfully disobeying a subpoena from the House committee investigating the January 6th attack. Bannon, quote, pursued a bad faith strategy of defiance and contempt, prosecutors said in their sentencing memo uh, from the moment that he received the subpoena last year, seeking records and testimony about his knowledge of Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election, as The New York Times describes Trump's attempts to steal the 2020 election. That culminated, of course, in the violent assault on the U.S. Capitol. The memo was written to U.S. District Judge in D.C., Judge uh, Carl Nichols, a Trump appointee, by the way, who is overseeing the case. In the 24-page memorandum, prosecutors called Bannon's refusal to comply with a subpoena from the January 6th committee a, quote, sustained bad faith contempt of Congress. The Memo said Bannon, quote, deserves severe punishment for his actions, noting, quote, the rioters who overran the Capitol on January 6th did not just attack a building. They assaulted the rule of law upon which this country was built and through which it endures by flouting the select committee's subpoena and its authority. The defendant exacerbated that assault, said prosecutors. They noted that Bannon, who is uh, to be sentenced uh, by Judge Nichols on Friday, this coming Friday, that uh, they said that he they argued he deserved a penalty harsher than the minimum term of one month in jail because he had blatantly brushed off the committee's demands and then attacked it in a series of uh, public statements. In their own sentencing memo, lawyers for Bannon recommended he should not spend any time in jail and instead receive a 
a term of probation. I'm surprised they didn't say he should get the Medal of Honor. <laughs> well, well, good point. I'm uh, sure they would argue that if given yeah. the argument, give if them given the time. opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and if given the opportunity, I suspect Donald Trump will give him the Medal of Honor if he is allowed back in the White House. Even after Bannon was found guilty of contempt of Congress in July, prosecutors told the judge that he failed to disclose a single document to the committee or answer any of its questions. Quote, from the time he was initially subpoenaed, the defendant has shown his true reasons for total noncompliance have nothing to do with his purported respect for the Constitution, the rule of law, or executive privilege, and everything to do with the personal disdain for the members of Congress sitting on the committee and their effort to investigate the attack on our country's peaceful transfer of power. Uh, the uh, federal prosecutors said uh, during the opening statements of the trial, quote, it wasn't optional, it wasn't a request, and it wasn't an invitation. It was mandatory, speaking of the subpoena. The defendant decided he was above the law, didn't have to follow the government's orders like his fellow citizens have to. Bannon also faces, by the way, separate charges still upcoming in New York for defrauding people who sought to contribute to an organization that took donations for the construction of a border wall along the southwest border, one of uh, Trump's signature policy platforms. So, yeah, the, though the group promised that every penny that they collected would go to building this wall between the U.S. and Mexico, it turns out Bannon and the others running this scam outfit allegedly stole millions of dollars for themselves. That New York state case, if it sounds familiar, it's because it largely mirrors the one that Bannon escaped thanks to a presidential pardon last year. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office has charged him with fraud, money laundering and conspiracy now on the state level to make up for that uh, pardon from our corrupt former president. And then we had some other long overdue accountability last week. For yet another Donald Trump henchman, albeit in a case that didn't have anything to do with the disgraced former president, at least not directly. Last Wednesday, a jury in Waterbury, Connecticut, awarded parents of school children slain by a gunman's bullets an extraordinary $965 million in damages. According to longtime journalist turned media activist Sue Wilson, who reported on this at Bradblog.com late last week. Yes, that is my website. Um, she said he was awarded those damages because far right propagandist, conspiracy theorist and huckster Alex Jones publicly defamed those parents. Live on his show, the day of the sentencing, uh, the InfoWars host Alec Jones mocked the jury, ordering him to pay nearly one billion dollars, cheering or at least pretending to, as the judge listed off millions in damages for each count, using the announcement of the judgment against him to uh, uh, Jones did to raise more money from his online store that he vowed to uh, not use to pay the judgment against him. Ain't going to be happening. Ain't no money. October 10th, folks. I think. Number one, compensatory damages. Instructions. Fill in both numbers for each plaintiff. Then go to now remember, I'm in bankruptcy. We got two years of appeals. The money you donate does not go to these people. 
It goes to fight this fraud, and it goes to stabilize the company. They want to shut down. That's why the, 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 the ambulance chasers did this, why they use these families. So, com. we're fighting Goliath. We'll win because of you. com. Double Patriot points, 10% off at 1776 right now. But you see, you want somebody to fight for you? I'm doing it, and you see what they do. So you want you want to fight? That's fine. It's your decision. But that's where we are. That's the whacked out system of the left. Did, did we hit a billion guys? So the whacked out uh, system of the left, apparently, is accountability for going on the public airwaves and lying, hoaxing the public and threatening, endangering the public. By the way, that I we bleeped out. He wasn't saying bad words there. He was saying the name of his store where he's raising millions of dollars that he will not be giving to the victims uh, who he defrauded and defamed. Get those numbers up, Jones said, after one of the counts was read, giving a thumbs up, laughing, raising his hands in the air as if proclaiming victory. All of this, Sue Wilson observed on... Um, uh, on on his broadcast on his on the radio on the airwaves he did so on us radio stations which are licensed by the federal government to serve in the public interest for the record the jury's award last wednesday that one follows a separate 49 million dollar award to sandy hook parents in a separate case that was decided back in august in texas jones and his guests on his infowars show which is broadcast as a radio program over our public airwaves as well as streamed over the Internet, falsely and repeatedly claimed the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting was a hoax, that nobody actually died there. He told millions of his listeners, again, over our public airwaves, that no children were shot, that grieving parents were actually paid so-called crisis actors, that the entire shooting, which took the lives of 20 first graders and six adults, was simply staged. By gun opponents to somehow further their agenda. Well, as determined by both the Texas and Connecticut cases, these radio broadcasts caused some of Jones's deranged listeners to repeatedly threaten the grieving parents' lives. According to court documents from the trial, Leonard Posner, whose six-year-old son Noah was killed, received threatening voicemails, quote, you gonna die. Death is coming to you real soon. Posner and his wife had to relocate seven times to avoid harassment based on Jones's remarks. Each time they moved, Jones's followers published their new address online. Noah's mother, Veronica De La Rosa, testified, quote, Sometimes I lie awake at night worrying that despite our efforts at security, a determined conspiracy fanatic might gain entry to our home. Scarlett Lewis, mother of a six-year-old uh, uh, child slain, Jesse Lewis, confronted Jones during the first defamation trial against him in Texas. She said, quote, you're still on your show today, trying to say that I'm implying that I'm an actress, that I am deep state. Truth. Truth is so vital to our world, she said. Truth is what we base our reality on, and we have to agree on that to have a civil society. Sandy Hook is a hard truth said Ms. Lewis. But I've, since that day, dedicated my life to keeping kids safe and having a quarter of Americans doubt that Sandy Hook happened or doubt the facts around Sandy Hook. 
is not conducive to keeping our kids safe. Well, it is great that uh, Alex Jones is finally facing accountability for what amounts to nearly 10 years of torture for these already victimized families, already facing unimaginable grief at their losses. Whether or not Jones is ever actually forced to cough up a dime, well, that remains to be seen as he invests the hundreds of millions that he's acquired from selling snake oil crap at his online store into expensive lawyers, trying to hide his assets from the court judgments in bankruptcy, and to stand by what he sees as his right, his right to continue telling dangerous lies over our public airwaves, which continue to imperil his victims, even while he continues to use those airwaves to raise still more millions from his repeated victimization of fellow Americans. They want to scare everybody away from freedom and scare us away from questioning Uvalde and what really happened there or, or Parkland or any other event. And guess what? We're not scared and we're not going away and we're not going to stop. And literally for hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can keep them in court for years. I can appeal this stuff. We can stand up against this travesty, against the billions of dollars they want. It's a joke. So please go to com and get Vitamin Mineral Fusion, get X3. Get all the great products that are there that keep us on air at store.com. Go get all those products that keep him on air that will raise hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of dollars that can be used uh, to can go to lawyers to prevent these victims, uh, the, the parents of uh, those children killed at Sandy Hook from from getting their due. For the record, Jones faces yet another sentencing trial and yet another defamation trial in Texas soon. But Sue Wilson, in her piece at the Brad blog, raises a critical question amid all of this that I have not seen focused on elsewhere, asking, quote, why is Jones allowed to use our publicly owned radio airwaves to spread these dangerous lies, to encourage his listeners to cause direct harm to innocent individuals who have already suffered more grief than we can imagine. It should be against the law, she writes, adding, it already is. Kind of. Is it? If so, how so? And if so, why hasn't Jones been held accountable for that? Joining us now is Sue Wilson. She is an Emmy and AP award-winning broadcast journalist turned media reform activist. She's the director of the media reform documentary Broadcast Blues and founder of the Media Action Center. She has also been our go-to for all things FCC-related over the years. Oh, Sue Wilson, thank you for joining us again on the broadcast and for your fascinating report at bradblog.com. Well, thank you, Brad, for having me. I got to tell you, there's just so much wrong with this. There's so much wrong. And it's time that we start making it right, don't you think? Well, you know, I do. But uh, to be honest, Sue, I, I got to say, I'm not even sure until your article. I wasn't even sure. Uh, you know, I, I knew he used to be on the radio. I used to be a guest on Alex Jones's show until he just sort of went out of his mind. Uh, but I'm not even sure I knew that Jones was actually still on any actual radio stations. I know he used to be on a lot, but then he was dis deplatformed at, you know, places like Twitter and Facebook, et cetera. I sort of assumed that the radio stations would 
would have removed him from their airwaves as well. That is not the case. Well, it is the case, but these radio stations, most of them did not willingly put him off the air. They didn't just decide, oh, this guy's a bad actor. Let's take him away. It was people who worked with groups like Media Action Center who contacted the stations directly and said, what are you doing? Why, in God's name, do you have this man on our air? I wrote an op-ed back in 2018 for the Sacramento Bee about Alex Jones being on our air right here in Sacramento Mm -hmm. on a station that was owned by Immaculate Heart Radio, the Catholic radio station. (laughs) Somebody read that op-ed. Somebody called the bishop and said, what in God's name are you doing here? Within one week. Alex Jones was taken off of that radio station and the sister station they had that broadcast into New York City. One op-ed, one phone call, well-placed. And that's what I want to talk with people today. You know, Brad, the, the Federal Communications Commission, they have a rule against hoaxes. They could take him off the air or at the very least require any station that has him on the air to say what you're about to hear is fiction. Well, well let, me, Sue, let me ask you, because you said, uh, I, I said, well, I didn't know he was still on the air. You said, well, he's been taken off, but he is not taken off on all of the stations, right? There are still stations that he does appear on our public airwaves around the country? Yes, there are. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is that don't wait for the FCC to do this, folks. Mm. We, the people, can and have been taking him off the air. Now, if you go to mediaactioncenter.net, you're going to see an action. This is the same action we've been running for a few years. Mm -hmm. And over the years, we have taken him off of many, many radio stations. There are still about 25 radio stations that are airing him. And the truth is, it's the personal community contact that works. Let, let me, I want to explain something to the folks out there because you and I understand what we're talking about when we talk about public airwaves. Mm-hmm. But for those who maybe don't, I just want you to think of it this way. What if a business in your community was licensed to start pumping the air you breathe? It sounds like science fiction, but mm-hmm. what if? And then what if this licensed business in your community decided to turn the air off? Oh, we're suffocating. We're storming that building downtown and we're making sure that they turn that air back on. Mm -hmm. It's our air and I want my share. (laughs) Well, what if, what if instead of a business that's shutting the air off, what if we have a business that's poisoning the air? Mm. Isn't that really what's happening right now? Our air is being poisoned and it's up to you and me to go in, in every little town. Across the country, if you can hear the voice of Alex Jones or any of these purveyors of fiction, and you know who they are, you can go knock on that station's door. There's a station locally that's got equipment. There's going to be a general manager there. There's going to be real people there. Well, Go and talk to them and tell them, it's our air. I want my share. Take this poison off of our air. Now, Sue, that's uh, all well and good. And people, you know, should talk to their radio stations if they're not being uh, served, if they're not serving in the public interest as they see them. But, you know, we do have something called uh, the First Amendment in this in this country. And, uh, you know, he, he, of course, and his supporters have argued that he's protected by the First Amendment's freedom, uh, you know, free speech clause. 
and that while he was held accountable for defamation in these court cases, that uh, he still does have a First Amendment right, even if he is lying, to do so over our public airwaves. Does he not? Is that not the case? Isn't lying protected speech as well, even if one can be held accountable through civil actions for defamation? Well, the Supreme Court of the United States says that his speech is not protected. The Supreme Court of the United States unanimously ruled in Red Lion Broadcasting versus the FCC mm-hmm. that the what we used to call the Fairness Doctrine mm-hmm. is supported by the First Amendment, that people have a right to respond and that people have a right because it's our air that they're poisoning to demand our air is not poisoned, but we don't have so a no, right. He to... doesn't have a first. I, I don't. Believe, I, I don't. Do not believe he does. I believe he has a First Amendment right on the internet, and I do not protest Alex Jones on the internet. Mm-hmm. However, this is our air. He's poisoning our air, and it's time for us to stand up and say stop. Now, wasn't there at one point a uh, a personal attack rule uh, that w- when somebody came on and, and made some uh, statement about you that was not true, you were allowed to call the radio station and respond? Uh, I don't know if that I don't think that was exactly the fairness doctrine. Maybe it was. But there was a specifically a, a, some sort of a personal attack rule. Uh, am I understanding that correctly? You absolutely are. There was the personal attack rule. And you've got to look at Alex Jones and these these parents. I mean, why were the Sandy Hook parents denied the simple right to get on the air to respond to all these lies? Once upon a time in this country, we had that right. And there is a new movement to restore what we call the right to respond. I mean, why do you have to get suffer such indignation and such a hoax and, and so mm. much damage? And the only way that you can get him to stop lying about you on our airwaves is to sue him and spend millions on lawyers for decades. It's absurd. Apparently, uh, that is the only way. And listen, I am, you know, I am sympathetic to First Amendment concerns. This is a very uh, narrow line to walk. There is no narrow line, by the way, uh, with people responding with using their own First Amendment rights to, uh, you know, reply back to liars over our public airwaves. The problem is, of course, those people replying back don't have the same sort of platforms that the liars do in the first place. That's why we. We have these various FCC rules that we used to have. I think they they uh, killed the personal attack rule in uh, in 2000. But you note uh, you mentioned earlier and you mentioned in your piece at Bradblog.com that there is a, a, a rule in the Code of Federal Regulations still there that prohibits broadcast licensees or permittees from broadcasting false information concerning a crime or a catastrophe known as the hoax rule. Does that rule apply here? And if so, why has that not been used by the FCC against Jones in the 10 years now since the Sandy Hook attack? Well, it's not for a lack of people trying. We have had a letter up on our website. It's there still um, for people to send directly to the FCC. It's very difficult for we, the people, to deal with the FCC. We, the people, don't get the right to just email them a complaint about the hoax rule. The FCC will only take a letter that goes into the U.S. mail Mm -hmm. with a stamp. I mean, this is how difficult they have made the public that they're supposed to serve. Mm -hmm. That's how difficult they've made it. But there's no question 
that the Hooke's will should be enforced. Now, one of the things we can look at, maybe, just maybe, if we had a full commission, right now, people don't understand this. I know you do. There's five people who head the Federal Communications Commission. Mm-hmm. Three of them are appointed by the president who's in power, and two of them are from the opposing party. They're all appointed by the president in power, mm-hmm. but there, there's three and two. Right now, there's a stalemate at the Federal Communications Commission. Uh, we have two Democratic commissioners. Mm-hmm. Jessica Rosenworcel is the chair of mm-hmm. the FCC. There are two Republicans. But there's another nominee, Gigi Sohn, who was nominated months ago, who they're not bringing up for a vote yet because I don't think that Senator Schumer, uh, the leader, mm-hmm. uh, I don't believe that he thinks he has the votes. So part of what's happening right now, there is some activism happening directly in Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. where people are writing into the radio station in Atlanta, Georgia, that airs Alex Jones. And saying, you've got to take this guy off of our air. This is wrong for us. And they're tying this to the Senate race there to let people understand that the person you vote for for senator has a direct influence, or at least could have a direct influence Mm -hmm. over this outcome. That somebody, a third person, and they're talking now about broadcasting at the FCC for the very first time in a decade, they are looking at re-regulating broadcasting. And, and they should. Of course they should. I mean, and this is, again, something that people do not understand. They, you know, and here particularly hear this from a lot of the folks on the right that, you know, on, on Twitter and Facebook when they are uh, deplatformed, when they're blocked or whatever. Yeah, it's it's inconvenient. I have been blocked on Twitter for telling what I know to be the demonstrable truth about certain things. I was blocked. I had to eventually uh, delete that tweet, even though every evidence in the world was, you know, right there for them to see that I was correct. But they are a private company. They can do what they want. The First Amendment does not apply there. It does not apply on the Internet as far as, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, what a private company can do. Now, if the government goes on the Internet and the government says you can't do or say this, That's a different issue. But when it comes to our public airwaves, our radio broadcast airwaves, those are regulated by the government. They are owned by the people. And there are rules in place about endangering the public when, you know, using those airwaves to endanger the public, which clearly now uh, at least two different, I think it's actually three different courts have now found that Alex Jones did And he should be held accountable. He should be taken off the air. If he wants to stream, if there's a private company out there that's willing to stream him on the Internet, so be it. But people also have the right to complain about that, to, uh, you know, push back at what these people are saying. You, 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 I guess you have a certain right to lie, not necessarily over our public airwaves, but you have a right to lie elsewhere and people have a right to call you out for that in return. You are not protected from being called out by the First Amendment. Uh, Sue Wilson, your uh, nonprofit media action center has developed an action to help people like uh, what's going on. You mentioned in Atlanta to help people protest. Jones is apparently continuing hoaxes. Uh, you link to it in your piece at bradblog.com and we will link to it as well when we post uh, today's show tonight at bradblog.com. But but tell me about that action. What is it that you're hoping Americans will in this case, physically do to try and push back here a little bit. 
Well, the first thing is you go to find out where Alex Jones is still on the air. There are about 25 stations throughout the country who are still airing him. If you And we have little maps there. Mm-hmm. You can click on the map. And if you live inside of the circle that they show you where that signal reaches, that means you have standing. That means you live in that area and it's your right to speak up and demand that either he be taken off the air or the FCC calls this a hoax. So everybody understands every time you tune into him that there's something pro- wrong with this problem. Uh, it's, it's, it's so wrong. It, it, I, I just want to tell folks, because it sounds like so weird. And, and the truth is this has worked. We have successfully been doing this very quietly mm-hmm. for a few years now. And, and Brad, there's, I just want to say this too, because we're talking a lot about the First Amendment and whose First Amendment rights, okay? Certainly the person on the radio who has the big microphone has a First Amendment right. But what about we, the people who own those airwaves? There's, I just want to point out that the New York mm-hmm. Times, and this goes back to July, Stuart A. Thompson wrote a piece called on conservative radio, misleading message is clear, Democrats cheat. And what he did was he did a study all across these United States of radio stations and from big stations to small, all of them, all these conservative radio hosts are saying Democrats cheat, Democrats cheat, Mm -hmm. Democrats cheat, Mm -hmm. drip, drip, drip. The brainwashing is occurring. And I'm encouraging people to look at the list of Alex Jones, but it's very unlikely you're going to live in one of those 25 towns and if you do please act and please let us know that you've acted we'll help you we we will i want to say do more than that start spreading this out we have power every time we go and knock on that local radio station's door saying it's our air and we want our share well and uh, yeah you know the radio waves for the most part which is why i I mentioned at the top of this show we're in fun drive here at my flagship station in la kpfk and uh suggesting that people support their local stations that may be playing the broadcast because the country as you have written for years uh at the media action center and at bradblog.com the 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 public airwaves across the country are now polluted with this toxic with these toxic lies from the right good luck finding the broadcast on most of your uh, stations around the country. Those of us who are progressive, who want to push back against those lies, have to fight like hell just to find a place on our airwaves. And it's maddening because they are public airwaves. They are not supposed to be owned by corporations uh, and, uh, you know, people of one particular political bent, but they are. And it's one thing that fight, fighting against those lies, raising hell against those lies, it's completely another thing when those lies end up uh, endangering people, in this case, the parents of six-year-olds who were uh, gunned down in a bloody massacre, that guys like Alex Jones want to lie to the public and tell you it never happened. Sue, I'm running late. I got to get out. So I'm going to point folks towards the article at bradblog.com. It's uh, headlined, Why is Alex Jones Still on Our Public Airwaves? There are links in that story uh, where folks can uh, go over to mediaactioncenter.net and take action. Action. Sue, I really appreciate all that you do to stay on top of this. Uh, never one to avoid contentious issues. Thank you for that. Uh, MediaActionCenter.net is where you'll find Sue Wilson when she's not writing a Brad blog anyway. And on the Twitters at Sue Blues Wilson. Sue, thank you for everything. 
Thank you, Brad. Take your power. Thank you. Well done. All right, we got to take a quick break. Now, normally, by the way, I know there was a very contentious issue that uh, we were just speaking about, and I'm sure people have thoughts on Alex Jones and his free speech rights, no matter how they might endanger members of the public. Normally, I'd love to open the phones up to you uh, at 818-985-5735, but I can't because... We're having problems still for the third week running here on the broadcast uh, here at KPFK. Problems with the phones that are working for a fun drive. They're not working to come into our studio, unfortunately. So if you have any thoughts for me, you can tweet me. I am the Brad blog. You can also uh, email me. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back with more accountability for more fraudsters next on the broadcast this time the gop voter fraud uh fraudster group who who pushed out that phony 2000 mules documentary hoax movie claiming thousands of so-called ballot harvesters unlawfully stuffed absentee ballot drop boxes in battleground states in 2020 to somehow steal the election from donald trump well uh guess what those fraudsters are in trouble I will explain next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the broadcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, you know, in truth, I was I was really hoping to not have to talk about these people and this story ever again, because in some way uh, it, it platforms their lie. It platforms their their hoax, the hoax that these people are still trying to put over on the American people when it comes to our elections and specifically the 2020 election. We've discussed on several occasions now how the GOP voter fraud fraudster group calling themselves True the Vote. We've been talking about these hoaxsters for uh, well, going on about 15 years now. But uh, they have played out their their really their greatest hoax slash embarrassing failure that has played out uh, in recent months in their so-called documentary film called 2000 Mules that claimed with the help of cell phone geolocation data that they purchased that they were able to identify hundreds and even thousands of so-called ballot mules they called them, uh, who repeatedly visited absentee ballot drop boxes to cast tens and even hundreds of thousands of fraudulent absentee ballots. And folks on the right, beginning with the former president, who actually held a screening for this dumb film down at Mar-a-Lago and cited it as the ultimate proof that the election had been stolen from him, 
Folks on the right have been have been continuing these claims based on this film, even though the film was immediately and thoroughly debunked in pretty much every fashion. And in fact, it shows zero instances of actual election fraud. Now, folks on the right. They think it shows all sorts of instances of fraud. Most of them, of course, haven't seen it. But if they have, they still think it has. Well, because, you know, they did some trickery in that uh, in that film. They claim that their geolocation data that they purchased was so specific, it allowed them to make public records requests for the security cameras that were pointed at those drop boxes where those so-called ballot mules were dropping off repeatedly, coming back and dropping off, you know, dozens, hundreds, thousands of ballots, visiting those boxes over and over again to cast these fake ballots. But in fact, the film actually shows no such video at all. None. Even though they did hire an actor to play a so-called ballot mule to reenact this, uh, you know, crime that they claim happened... You can see that actor listed in the credits at the end of the uh, the film, but the documentary does not make clear to viewers that they're actually seeing a faked video. Well, last week, after the House January 6th committee voted to subpoena Donald Trump for documents and testimony regarding the insurrection that he incited at the U.S. Capitol, the former president responded to the House committee with a 14-page reply. In which he didn't say whether he was going to testify or not, but he did pretend to offer all sorts of evidence of fraud in the 2020 election. In fact, pretty much every single piece of it has already been long ago debunked as nonsense. Now, one of those paragraphs in that 14 page response reads as follows. True the vote. The nation's leading voters' voters rights organization collected over four million minutes of ballot drop box video showing ballot stuffing at a level not seen before. This is also supported by highly accurate cell phone data that tracked the same individuals going to as many as 28 different locations in one day to do this. All in all, millions of ballots were stuffed based on their research. True the Vote estimates as many as 7% of all mail ballots could have been ineligible. Approximately 4.8 million votes, an election-changing number many times over. That was Donald Trump's reply to the U.S. House, still quoting True the Vote and their dumb, long-ago debunked movie. As uh, previously reported on this show, uh, in in debunking True the Vote's silly claims right after the movie came out, they showed uh, their data to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the GBI. They showed it to him months before the film was ever released. Well, the GBI shared that data with the FBI and the Republican-appointed director of the GBI wrote back to True the Vote in a letter to say that neither the GBI or the FBI actually saw any evidence of any crime in any of the data that that was shared with them by True the Vote. That was months before the movie came out. And then, late on Friday, via Politico, we learned the office of Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich is asking the FBI and IRS to investigate True the Vote, the so-called 
conservative vote moder- vote monitoring nonprofit that Donald Trump has repeatedly touted for its efforts to raise doubts about the legitimacy of the election in 2020. Now, Brnovich, the Arizona attorney general, is anything but a rhino, a Republican in name only. He's a Republican. He's successfully gone all the way to the Supreme Court to get pieces of the Voting Rights Act struck down in recent years. And this letter is from Brnovich from his office, dated this past Friday. And it's particularly remarkable coming from him since he once vied for Trump's support in a Senate GOP primary bid that hinged on false claims about the 2020 election results. Reginald Grigsby, an investigator in Brnovich's office, described a series of questionable interactions with the group's leader, leaders, according to Politico, and suggested there may be evidence of financial improprieties if the FBI and IRS pursue them. Given True, True the Vote's status as a nonprofit organization, the letter reads, it would appear that further review of its financials may be warranted. The letter is remarkable. Uh, reading directly from the letter, uh, the um, the office of the Arizona AG is providing the ref- referenced information to your office for review and potential further action as it relates to potential violations of the Internal Revenue Code by True the Vote, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Based out of Texas, True the Vote shows Catherine Engelbrecht as the president, Greg Phillips, a contracted partner. TTV, as they call them, TTV has alleged widespread voter fraud during the 2020 national general election. It purports to have geolocation data that it claims is indicia of ballot stuffing and voting fraud. Specifically, TTV alleges uh, it has in its possession geolocation data from a number of mobile devices showing those devices making several trips in which it is said people are walking to, from, or past ballot drop boxes. But information, they note, has not been provided as to specific locations, whether or not there is, in fact, a drop box at that location, nor is there any information on the persons who may be in possession of the mobile device in question. TTV did not provide any evidence to support claims of ballot box stuffing. They are adamant uh, that it has that they have the evidence of ballot stuffing and voting fraud. However, when asked to provide the information, which Engelbrecht and Phillips promised to do, TTV never provided the information that according to the Arizona attorney general. Now, they go on to say in this uh, in this letter that they met with them three different times, once back in 2021, twice in 22 And during those meetings, both times, Engelbrecht and Phillips promised to give them the data, to give them the evidence, proving all of this massive fraud. They reported spending, after all, $2 million for this information, suckers. And yet, though they promised to get back to them with that information, they never did. Meanwhile, as the letter describes, Engelbrecht and Phillips also went to the FBI themselves in Arizona and told the Arizona, the FBI in Arizona that, oh, we gave all of that information to the Arizona attorney general. Then they went back on their last meeting to the Arizona attorney general and said, oh, yeah, well, we gave that information to the FBI. They never gave that information to anyone. 
They have been lying from top to bottom about all of this. And this letter from the uh, Arizona attorney general could not be clearer that this group has been duping everyone has been duping the Phoenix FBI office, has been trying to dupe the Arizona Attorney General's office, run by Mark Burnovich, this far-right winger who is, I mean, anything but an apologist, uh, you know, for whatever happened in 2020. And they did the same thing, by the way, in Georgia. And they told everybody, oh, yeah, we gave that information to them. We gave that information to them. They claimed that they uh, that the the, instru- the uh, information they had was actually instrumental somehow in helping the Atlanta Police Department arrest the suspect wanted for the murder of a young child in that city. But then when we check, when they checked with the Atlanta Police Department, turns out they said, no, True the Vote had nothing to do with that. Now, these are known to be liars. They've been known to be liars for a very, very long time. We've been, you know, covering the, these these clowns for, like I said, almost two decades. And I don't like talking about them at all because I said it platforms the lie. It, you know, gives them the opportunity for me to repeat their lie. So I don't even like talking about it. But the pr- former president of the United States quoted them just last week, just last Thursday, in response to being subpoenaed by the U.S. House Select Committee investigating January 6th. And he quoted them as if they had the definitive proof, whatever he said, ridiculous, uh, that the, the, the nation's leading voters' rights organization— That they have evidence of millions of ballots being stuffed, all complete, utter crap and nonsense. Complete crap and nonsense. And the letter from the Arizona Attorney General's office goes on to say that they have raised considerable sums of money, alleging that they had evidence of widespread voter fraud and their efforts would train the public to protect election integrity at the polls and help protect Voters' rights. Wait, you mean they made millions of dollars from spreading disinformation from uh, unwitting public using the public airwaves and such to do that? Gosh, sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, don't it? It's what Alex Jones did. It's what Steve Bannon did. It's what Donald Trump does every goddamn day of the week. Every minute of every day. In this case, it's a threat on our democracy. So, yeah... That's going to tick me off. If you want to rip off your own followers who, who, who think we need to build a wall in Mexico and you're going to steal their money from them, well, too bad for them, I guess. But now you're going after my democracy. And if that's the case, I'm going to have a little something to say about it. These TTV clowns have been defrauding the public for years about voter fraud in their effort to push laws. This is why they're doing it, to push laws to make it harder for legal voters to vote. The type of law, for example, passed by Arizona that the Attorney General Brnovich successfully defended at the U.S. Supreme Court, cutting out, cutting the knees out from under the Voting Rights Act. But they have been frauds all along. And at least now, even the office of Mark Brnovich has noted, will these fraud hustlers finally be held accountable by the FBI or the IRS now that there has been a referral made to them? We will see. Stay tuned. I do like where this is headed, although it may take a while to get there.
Quick break, and we are back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But, of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like, or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate right now. Go ahead. Do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back. It's your Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We've got just another minute or two here before we have to get out. Uh, Last week on the Bradcast, I walked through what I saw as the five potential seats that Democrats might realistically be able to flip uh, in the U.S. Senate from Republican to Democratic. All of them tough climbs, but possible, including Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, North Carolina and Florida. Those states could be flipped from red to blue in the U.S. Senate on November 8, if everyone gets out and votes. I also noted the two Democratic Senate seats that were in danger of being flipped by Republicans, being flipped from blue to red in November in Nevada and Georgia. And then over the weekend, I caught this from the Des Moines Register, which is really offers the gold standard of Iowa polling, the Des Moines Register poll. Um with numbers that seem to be far outside what everyone else has found in Iowa surveys, though in truth, given that their current Republican senator, Chuck Grassley, has served so many terms there, I think most pollsters haven't even bothered to look at the Hawkeye State at all this year. But there is, for your pondering pleasure, this. Republican U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley's lead over Democrat Mike Franken has narrowed to three percentage points with less than a month until Election Day, signaling Grassley's toughest re-election fight in 40 years. Huh. They, they report a new Des Moines Register Mediacom Iowa poll shows Grassley leads with 46 percent of the vote to Franken's 43 percent among likely voters. Another 4 percent would vote for someone else. 4 percent would not vote. Three are not sure. The uh, pollster, uh, Ann Seltzer of uh, Seltzer and Company, says, it, quote, it says to me that Franken is running a competent campaign and has a shot to defeat the seemingly invincible Chuck Grassley, previously perceived to be invincible. Grassley, by the way, is 89 years old. He is seeking his eighth term in the U.S. Senate this year. Franken is a youngster at 64 years of age. He's also a retired U.S. Navy admiral. The numbers suggest a contest closer than any Grassley has faced since he defeated a Democratic incumbent by eight points to win his first election back in 1980. His closest result since then was in 2016 when he defeated um, a uh, Democratic lieutenant governor by 24 percentage points. Now 
he's just three points ahead of his Democratic challenger. Really? According to this poll, which is the gold standard of Iowa polling, frankly. Make of that what you will. We have got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my uh, uh, board operator today, Yout Orozco, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. We count on you to stay on your public airwaves. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. And, oh, yes, my thanks to our guest today, Sue Wilson of MediaActionCenter.net. All right, that's it. We will see you at all of the above until we see you next time. Hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1987. That was the day that more than 100,000 people gathered in Paris to stand up against poverty and hunger. The gathering was inspired by Father Joseph Rasinski, a French Catholic priest. He founded the Altogether in Dignity Fourth World Movement, dedicated to addressing poverty. That day unveiled a commemorative stone to honor the victims of extreme poverty. The stone bears an image of two people, arms outstretched, releasing a bird into the sky. The stone's inscription read, On this day, defenders of human and civil rights from every continent gathered here. They paid homage to the victims of hunger, ignorance, and violence. They affirmed their conviction that human misery is not inevitable. They pledged their solidarity with all people who, throughout the world, strive to end extreme poverty. The site they chose to place the stone was significant. The Trocadero Plaza in Paris is where the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was proclaimed by the United Nations in 1948. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights affirmed the basic rights of all people, including the right to form and to join trade unions, and the right to equal pay for equal work. Placing the commemorative stone at this important spot was a continuation of this legacy. In the years since then, on this very day, other cities around the world have commemorated replicas of the stone. Nearly 20 cities in France have dedicated stones. Cities in Canada, Mexico, Switzerland, Belgium, Ireland, Scotland, Great Britain, Italy, Poland, Portugal, and the Philippines have all placed these tributes. In 1992, the United Nations declared today, October 17th, the annual International Day for the Eradication of Poverty. 
Hi, everybody. Juliana Forlano here from the Juliana Forlano Show on the Progressive Voices Network on TuneIn. Do you like to know what's going on in the world but don't like walking away from your news show feeling all depressed or jacked up? Do you like political humor? Then check out our show, the Juliana Forlano Show, Saturday at 11 a.m., Sunday at 9 p.m. on the Progressive Voices Network or find us at JulianaForlano.com.